What is up guys and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. And he's back again. James is back. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad, mate. Uh, still chained to the chair from the last time. Yep, yep. <laughs> I've, uh, unfortunately, I've lost the key. Um, I have got a locksmith coming, but unfortunately he's busy for the next three months. Oh dear. Yeah, that's a real shame that, isn't it? <laughs> How have you been? You all right? Yeah, Good, good. Another good week? Yeah, standard. Good, good. We've been playing some games, haven't we? Indeed. We have, and we want to talk about one of them here today. Yes. So, what 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 is the name of the game that we want to talk about today, James? Uh, so, today we are talking about Meeple Land. We are indeed. Big fan of theme parks. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it, it made sense. I had to get you to play Meeple Land because I really like this game. It's very similar to the likes of Dynogenics in park building, but obviously with... A more amusement slash theme park theme to it. Yes, indeed. There's some things we like, some things we don't like. Yeah, it's a fairly balanced opinion on this one, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. It's not going to be a super long episode because it's quite a simple game. For those of you that don't know what Meeple Land is, Meeple Land is a game that was released by Blue Orange Games in 2020. It's for two to four players aged eight and up and boasts a playtime of about 45 minutes. The premise of the game is for the players to build the most renowned theme park uh, by purchasing top quality rides and attractions and offering the best guest services to accommodate as many meeples as possible before the end of the game. So that is, that's, that's the premise of the game. And James is going to have the lovely time of shutting up for the next five minutes while I talk about how to play the game. And yeah, I don't have Paul this week. I don't have Ian. I hate doing this. So yeah, bear with me and I apologise for... Uh, for everything that is about to come. Meeple Land takes place over a series of turns based on the number of players. During your turn, you can do one of three actions. You can buy a tile, you can advertise, or you can pass. When choosing to buy and play a tile, you choose from the central tile pot featuring three different size tiles, each featuring different park attractions, and they are all different prices. Once you choose a tile to purchase, you place the tile on your personal 7x7 seven seven amusement park grid. Each tile provides a specific number of colour meeples allowed to visit that particular ride. Each tile also features a unique arrangement of pathways which players have to try and align up with other tiles in order to connect the pathways up. If you don't do that, at the end of the game it is going to lose you some points. Certain tiles also benefit from connecting to various shops and facilities. For example, a certain ride may have a specific requirement to be attached onto a toilet facility in order to hold a certain colour of meeple. Players may also choose to advertise the park. Purchasing an advertisement tile immediately gives you a certain number. Once you choose to pass, you get to select one of the bus loads of meeples which are sat in the center of the table. Each bus features a different combination and amount of meeples. Once selected, the meeples make their way to the entrance of your park. You then pair the colored meeples with available visitor spaces on the rides that you have placed. Unplayable meeples wait patiently at the gate. Finally, once everyone has selected a meeple bus and placed their meeples, Players receive coins for any meeples able to attend their park. Turns continue until you've played the predetermined number of rounds. The player with the most points at the end of the game is the winner. 
Players earn points by building a variety of rides in their park. All meeples score points with certain colors being worth more. Your park will also lose points if you have any pathways that fail to connect, as well as meeples that arrive but were not able to enter the park. Okay, so that is how you play Meeple Land. And once again, yeah, very, very sorry for how I uh, how I described that. I'm terrible at doing this. I usually have Paul to do it. So, yeah, sorry about that. Anyway, role reversal for today. James is here to tell you about the components. So, James, what comes in the box when you purchase Meeple Land? Okay, Jason. Well, contained within the box, you will find four individual plot boards, one parking lot board, four plot extension tiles, four extra park entrances, uh, 101 attraction uh, and service tiles, uh, which is comprised of 32 small tiles with uh, adverts on the back, 40 medium and 29 large tiles, 17 bus tiles, 124 visitor meeples uh, split between green, blue, pink and yellow, uh, one park ticket to token to uh, denote the first player of each round, uh, a round marker to keep track of which round you're on. Uh, 52 coins, um, a mixture of one and five. Four player park entrances uh, and one scoreboard notebook. Very nice. So there's actually a half decent amount of components in this box. I mean, this game is actually quite a cheap game. Like, If I remember correctly, the the RRP on this game is, is less than £40. So that, yeah, that's a you, really good value box. There's a lot in the box for what you're paying. Yeah. The real question is, though... And it obviously moves us on to our next section. It is about those components and the component quality. You'd think with so many components and such a low RRP price that the component quality would be pretty bad. Yeah. But, you know, I know my feelings on it, but how, what, what's your feelings on how things are in this I game? I think there's a mixture. I think a lot of the um, saving that they've done is on the actual park boards and the extension tiles. To me... Well, they're not bad quality. They are a bit on the flimsy side. Mm, I yeah. would, I wouldn't have mind uh, paying a little bit more for a bit more of a rigid board yes, for that. Yeah. But the flip side of that is the meeples and the actual component tiles you're putting on top of your boards are pretty sturdy. They're pretty good quality. Um, oh, I see them lasting. Standing the test, it's the, yeah. it's the boards themselves that that would be that would be where I'd niggle. Yeah, I think I, I think I would agree. Like the, the the actual player boards themselves and those extension tiles, they are essentially just standard cardstock, but obviously they're a lot larger, so they they are quite flimsy. Um, a game like this, I would kind of expected them to be made of the same maybe punch board as mm. the tokens, um, which yeah, the tokens. Fine, they're, they're great, really nice, thick um, cardstock. You've got the meeples, as you said, they are plastic meeples as opposed to wooden. And yeah, you can't ever beat wooden meeples, but mm. the plastic meeples they're fine, they do the job. They're actually quite cute and small, yeah. I actually really like them. Um, but yeah, the art styling I love the art styling of this game, it just screams theme park mascot yeah. to me and yeah it's absolutely wonderful it's colorful it's stunningly beautifully illustrated as well and yeah i mean how did you feel about the art 
Uh, yeah, I think the art definitely suits the game. It's that sort of cartoony. It is. It, it looks like a theme park map mm. that you would get if you actually visited a theme park and you open up that map they give you to see where yeah. all the rides are. It is essentially one of those on a board game. Yeah. Yeah, I completely, in fact, I couldn't have summed that up better. So it is when you go into a theme park and you've got that big map that they have right in front of you, or like you said, that the fold-out maps that they give you to go around the park, it's exactly the same. Yeah, with um, that sort of exaggerated art style with the rides being bigger than everything else. Yeah. And you can clearly tell what they are, but they've got that cartoony style yeah. to them. Yeah, it's just... It's I, wonderful. Yeah. It really is wonderful. You know, don't, don't be thinking sort of Disney World, Disneyland. It's not that kind of cartoon art style but like, like james said your standard sort of british amusement park that's trying to be a theme park yeah you've got it spot on you know i it, it really reminds me of like theme park uh, um thought park back in the day where you had the characters yeah uh it, it just it's that it's yeah. spot on to that so yeah fantastic job with the artwork I mean, yeah, getting back to the those player boards, the, I would love to have seen maybe a deluxe version of this where you had like the dual layer boards. Yeah. Uh, where your, your your tiles would just slot in and then, and then sit yeah, there. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking, I'm looking at it on the shelf behind you, the, the, the style of board that came with the game, like Dynagenics, yeah. which is a, just that bit more sturdy and like mm. you said where the tiles will slot. i mean it's a little bit more difficult because the different rides are different sizes yeah but at, the, at least from the sturdiness yeah, the player no. boards i would have liked to have seen a little bit more sturdy yeah I, I i agree so yeah i think maybe just even if it's just single layer punch board i, I would have been more than happy with that so but anyway it's a game at the end of the day not an art piece so what do we think about the gameplay uh, overall, it's very good. Um, it's a very simple rule set. It's definitely a game that you could either play with your family. It's simple enough for uh, kids to understand. Like I said, it does have a an age of 10 up, which mm. I would say your average, maybe a slightly lower, I would say. Maybe eight would be able to handle it. Yeah, I mean, that's the interesting part, actually, because, I mean, the copy I've got here quite clearly says 10 plus on the box. Yeah, any outlet I've seen online that's actually advertising it is actually advertising it as eight plus. Yeah. Um, which I believe I said at the outset to this podcast, I actually said it was eight plus, And that's from doing my research. I didn't even look at my box until yeah. we were already recording. And gone, oh, hang on a minute. And she says 10. So... Do I mean? Do you agree with the eight plus? Do you agree with the ten plus? Or, or oh, you... I would say your average eight-year-old will be able to handle it. It's not mm. a complicated rule set. Yeah. yeah, it looks. I mean, with the amount of components, it looks more intimidating than it actually mm. is. But once you actually sit down and read the rule book, it's a simple three, four-step uh, mm. turn-based game. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think a lot of kids would easily be able to wrap their head around it. But it is that kind of fun game where you could either play it with your family or or your mates. Yeah, it's. Yeah that kind of game yeah yeah i think um blue orange have done a really really good job with uh playtesting this throughout its development and and they clearly knew who their audience was i don't think they've gone after the hardcore gamers i think they've gone for essentially maybe not the family market but that sort of the the in-between step between a family board game the casual gamers. and the casual gamers yeah it's probably a good way of describing it and it suits everyone. It's nice and quick. For once, the you know the time on the box is right. Again, depends where you read it. it. Says sixty minutes on the box. Says forty-five minutes on online stores. I lean more towards that forty-five minutes. Yeah, I think it because it's a game of 
uh, two to four players. Mm. Definitely 45 minutes if you're doing it as a two player. And yeah, 60 minutes probably about right for a four player yeah. game. Yeah. Normally when you come to mine and we play games, I nearly always have the game set up for you. On this particular one, I was I was busy doing the previous week's podcast stuff. So I, ha- I had you set up this game. Something you're not used to doing. How easy did you find this game to set up? Oh, very easy. It's uh, what ten steps. Mm-hmm. If you fo- if you follow the rule book, it's a ten step setup, and it was very put this here, put this here, put this here. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah. And would you say five minutes to set up? Um, yeah. What once you've once you've done it once, it probably took me slightly longer because I was going through the rule book step by step. So I'd say for a first time setup, it probably took me ten minutes. Mm. Um, but to do it again, yeah, I could do it in five now. Yeah, no, there you go. So you're a ten minute setup for someone who's never set up this game and isn't really experienced in setting up games full stop. Yeah. That's really, really good. Um, so that gives you a rough idea of how easy this game is and how good that rule book is at, at explaining things mm. to you. Do you have any other final thoughts about the game? Anything you would like to see maybe implemented in the future, or do you think they could have made better about this game? Let's have a conversation about the path mechanic, shall we? We should. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think I think we should. So one of the things about this game and one of the things that will cost you points is as you're laying down your tiles, each tile has the ride on it and it has a series of paths, random paths. And at the end of the game, if you have any open or blocked off paths, so if you've mazed yourself into a corner and you have basically have a path that goes nowhere each one of those will cost you two points off your score at the end of the game it's a good mechanic but they haven't given you enough ways to close paths off mm, yeah which like the te- the game we played before we started recording i was blasting ahead in every way except the path mechanics because when i came to do it i thought oh damn, I've got 11 open or blocked off paths. That's cost me 22 points each one. Yeah. Minus yeah. two points. And it lost me the game. And there are no dead end tiles or anything like that to help you close off the paths. This is definitely a game I think that would benefit from an expansion. Yes. Yeah, I think I have to agree. Um, and yeah, to echo everything you, you've said, pretty much said with regards to the tile size of things, it's kind of part of my my final thoughts is that while the game is really really good i don't know if there's enough variety within the game and even when it comes to like the rides for example because there are obviously ways of scoring points for the different ride types you have but there's only about 10 there's only 10 different ride types and obviously each of those is multiple tiles for with the different paths. Yep. Um, you also have the the little single tiles, which is usually your like your fountains, your your toilets, and your amenities, and they have a an, an issue with them as well because most of them split paths into in you know from one path you'll go to two or three. Yeah. And it really yeah you know, they those would be perfect to have maybe oh well, the fountain is a dead end to close off a path yeah i mean we i said it as a joke when we played it but it's like you know where you go to a theme park it's like where's i I know it's a kid's game so you can't put this in but where's your smoking area where's Mm. your 
where's your like little ornamental seating area where the people who don't want to go on the ride sit and watch or like character meet and greet areas character meet and greet areas photo points Mm. especially around roller roller coasters and things like that they always have that little dead end bit where you could take photos of the ride it's like these would be perfect tiles to block off parts. Mm, yeah, and wouldn't exactly be game-breaking because it no. would give you more. Well, yeah, because you get the huge... Like going back to what you said about the variety is you get a huge pile of um, things to put out, but because there's only sort of 10 rides, this is the other thing I found, is you've got a lot of repeats mm, coming out yeah. just with different path varieties, which is necessary for the path me- uh, mechanic to come into play. But yeah... Like I said, this is a game that would benefit very much from an expansion. Yeah, yeah. I I think it does. It screams that it needs an expansion. Uh, I don't know if that's something the Blue Orange will ever do. I hope they do because I really do like this game. Um, You know, I've written down my final thoughts and, and, you know, just to to read it verbatim. The Meeple Land's appearance, the appearance of Meeple Land, sorry, actually makes it a surprisingly brain-busting tile placement game. The whole concept of adding attractions to the park while simultaneously having to connect up the paths really adds to the thought process that you have to make. And it really makes you think about, well, do I really, you know, I really want this one because it can hold more the meeples that I really need it to, but it's going to take one path that I've got and, and change it to three and that's going to cost me six points. Yeah, I think there's something else to go in there as well. Is and I think it's something I suffered from in our game as well. Is because I was ahead on the money game, and I was so concentrating on putting all the shiny in my park. <laughs> and you have to think sometimes because you've got the buses with the meeples on. Mm-hmm. It's like I've set my park up to take these specific people. And then you play the tactical game, pass early and take the bus that I wanted. And now I'm left with a bunch of meeples that I don't have any slots for. Yeah, so So, there's definitely an element of uh, competitive aspects to this because obviously I I had seen that. One, it was the bus that I needed as well. But also I could see it was what you need and I can sort of plan where I can see where you're going. It's like, well, he's clearly going to pass next turn. So actually, do I take that pass now and take my bus? You know, and this was actually my next point in my final thoughts is adding that drafting mechanic to the game is a stroke of genius because it just adds more into that. I have to think about what I'm doing. Yeah, especially for where I was, where I was so much ahead of you. I could have I I probably had about three more turns of building. Mm. But what I should have been paying attention to is watching your money part because you you were broke. Yes, (laughs) you were broke. So I should have been looking at you going, right, well, you're going to pick your bus next turn. Mm. Now I could do another three rounds of building, but there's only one bus there that I can take. So I should have gone. I've got enough space for these people. Stop building, grab that bus. And I was so distracted by, oh, no, I've got to have that. And I've got to have that. And I've got to add that. Mm -hmm. And then I've completely lost. Yeah. Yeah. And got a bunch of people standing outside my park because I've got no space for them. Yeah. So one question I think I've got for you, because I, I again, I know my my opinions on this. You've played this game two-player, you've played it four-player. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like the downtime is between turns? Like, is it too long? Is it is it too short? Um, no, because once you get a group of people who, who have read the rules and understand it, the turns go pretty quick because 
there's only really two things to do, which is buy a tile or pick your bus. Yeah. So there's not a lot of, uh, you have to think about your path placement and that, but it, with, those, with only two options to do, really, it's pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the downtime is incredibly quick. Um, if you're playing with someone who really, really suffers from like analysis paralysis, it's going to add on to it. But like you said, there's only two decisions really to make. So even if you do suffer from analysis paralysis, it's not going to be that hard. You know, it's no. a 50-50 decision to make. Yeah. So yeah, on those grounds, the downtime is absolutely fantastic. The theme is great. I would love to see maybe a water park expansion. Yep, that would. Be, I know, know, I'd love that. That would be really really cool. I would be all over that, like a rash. Um, but yeah, the theme. I have to just go back to that theme because it really screams theme park. It screams that atmosphere you get when you go to, you know, a a proper theme park you know i i just love that i can i look at some of the artwork and go do you know what i can see a hippo character standing outside this ride taking pictures with the kids while daddy goes and rides on the roller coaster yeah you know it's really really good that being said let's talk about our ratings because it's not perfect no but it's not terrible so yeah, what what would you say is is your rating for this, and who would you recommend it for? Okay, well, like I've said earlier, I I would recommend this game for both for family gaming nights and for games with your friends. It's a perfectly adaptable game for for both. I'd have to give this game a seven. Mm-hmm. I think it it's got um, a really charming style to it. It's a um, a tile builder, which I I, I do like those styles mm-hmm. of games. Those three points, I think, is the path mechanic. If they put something in to actively help you block off tiles, this would be a perfect game. But that knocks those three points off, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm. Uh, I'm not going to go any higher than yourself. I, I am going to come in at a seven out of ten as well. It's a collection keeper for me. I love it that much until another better theme park builder comes along um it is to this day the best theme park themed game that i have played i know there's more out there that i haven't played i'm very much looking forward to playing Wishland, um and and a few of the others they're very different in in style but this one really screamed to me but yeah unfortunately it was a little bit of a letdown i'm really happy with the game i enjoy it it's good fun the replayability side of it is a bit lackluster for my personal liking. Yeah. It's um, not it's not one that you're going to be champing at the bit to get off the shelf every week. No, exactly. It's it's a game that if someone wants to play it, I'll happily get it out and play it. But it's not going to be one I'm going to go, do you know what? We should play this tonight. Yeah. So I'd yeah. agree with that. Unfortunately, seven out of ten for me. If they release an expansion and fix some of those issues, I could see me revisiting this game. Oh yeah. And Definitely. upping it. Definitely. Because it's so simple. It's so fun. It's so easy to play with literally anyone. I could introduce it to someone who has never played a modern board game and have them knowing what they're doing before the end of turn one. Yeah. And there's only four turns in the game. It's nice and quick. It's not really a game open or a night opener because it's a little bit too long. You know, with your setup, maybe an hour. 
So, but yeah, it, it's a, if you're looking for a light, fun game to play, it's great. It's great. So yeah, final verdict on this for me, needs an expansion, probably won't get one. So unfortunately, for now, it is stuck 7 to 10, but it is a collection keeper and it is a game I recommend for people to play. If you can pick this up for a good price, I paid £25 for this game. It's one of the best games I've ever bought for such little money. The component quality is good. The art is good. It's good fun. Buy it. Can't say fairer than that. But anyway, that is Meeple Land by Blue Orange Games. Have any of you guys out there played this game? If so, what are your thoughts and opinions on it? Let us know on any of our social media platforms or the Discord. Links to all of those will be in the description. But for now, we're going to hand over to Paul in the new shed for another week of, or another dose, should we say, of weekly gaming gossip, news, Kickstarters, and all that kind of stuff. He's going to cost me a fortune, as he always does, by bringing me all the best Kickstarters. So, yeah, over to you, Paul. I know it's hot. No, it's your turn to go and get the drinks. No, definitely yours. You wanted that weird cocktail last time I went. What was it? Birds and the bees? Yeah, and you made me go out and find that Sol Besso? Never even heard of it, if I'm honest. I thought you were pulling my leg. Then the lady at the store said I had a very refined taste. I hated to say it was for a rubber duck. Yeah, so it's your turn. Um, I'll have a down the rabbit hole, please. And Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, well, you'll have to find out what's in it, won't you? And I meant the real Jessica Rabbit. Could do with someone fanning me whilst I read the news out. Oh, go on, I'm thirsty. I'll stop complaining. That should keep him busy for a few hours. <laughs> right, news. The Lich King and his legion of Scourge have returned, and you'll find them invading the tabletop this fall. Well, that's the news from Blizzard Entertainment and Z-Man Games anyway, with yet another video-to-board-game crossover in the form of World of Warcraft. Though details are currently scarce, it will be available later this year, and will feature miniatures of some pretty epic characters. A trailer has been released, which offers a glimpse at those, as well as the board style we'd come to expect from Pandemic. The game will focus on the Wrath of the Lich King, the second World of Warcraft expansion from 2008, and images suggest it will take place in Northrend. The game itself is a mixture of the Z-Man games classic that is Pandemic and World of Warcraft, and although that seems unusual at first glance, it has a great deal of potential, not least in the fact that an in-game Pandemic occurred in World of Warcraft, but also in how Pandemic has adapted to other styles previously. It's not World of Warcraft's first foray onto the tabletop though, because we had Small World of Warcraft only hitting our tables last year. For more information, and a link to the trailer, head on over to the Z-Man Games website. 
Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition's next published book doubles down on the second part of its name and stretches across multiple in-game universes. Fisbon's Treasury of Dragons will detail the lives, eccentricities and magical influence of the loot-hoarding lizards when it releases on October the 19th. Announced as part of a recent press conference, Fisbon's Treasury of Dragons packs a lot of scaly source material between its pages. The eponymous and eccentric wizard and not so secret avatar of the dragon god Paladine will serve as guide and colour commentator in much the same way that Volo, Morden Kanan and Tasha have for past supplements. The tome features ecological information on all currently known dragons, along with reintroducing the elusive gem dragons back to the game. These physically gifted beasts were last included in the third edition monster manual. The book will outline stat blocks for several gem dragon age groups along with their more common chromatic and metallic cousins, and dragonborn players will appreciate draconic ancestry options for all of them. Monks and rangers can check out new dragon themed subclasses in the way of the Ascendant, Dragon and the Drake Warden, while everyone else will be privy to feats, magical items and other adventuring oddities. Fisbon's Treasury of Dragons will explain the cosmic role dragons have played in the creation of not just Forgotten Realms, Dungeons and Dragons current canonical setting, but every other one. Some dragons have become so powerful that they apparently contacted their alternate dimension counterparts and merge their powers to transcend the boundaries of reality as great worms or elder gods. Bayamut, Tiamut and perhaps even Old Fisban are prime examples. Dragons are an essential part of the material plane, game designer James Wyatt said. They were there when it was made, that's why they have such a tremendous influence on the world around them when they establish their lairs. Their magic seeps out into the terrain, with their horde as a focus of that magic. Those familiar with Fisban will be wondering if the origin of the Dragonlance setting of Advanced D&D and the book series from Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman mean anything about the future D&D printed books. It's not that, it's really a book about dragons across the whole of the D&D multiverse. It's not specific to any given D&D world, said D&D executive producer Ray Winnegar. We're happy to be reintroducing at least some elements of that. Fisban's Treasury of Dragons will be available in retail as a hardcover book beginning October 19th and will cost $49.95 or £36. Like past books, local game stores will be offering alternate art cover that will be available on the same day as the standard edition. UK lockdown as a result of COVID-19 has come to an almost end recently, just in time for this year's Games Expo. Last week we provided some new information from the organisers of UKGE, saying that they would not be enforcing any additional COVID-19 health and safety requirements when the convention opens, namely the compulsory use of masks and any pre-testing requirements. This sparked news that a number of publishers, attendees and indeed sponsors withdrawing from the show due to safety concerns. UKGE's stand took a slight backtrack during last week and they updated their standpoint which seemingly returns to the original hashtag playwithconfidence pledge set out by UKGE when it was unclear when restrictions would lift. The main changes to the recent updates were that we must wear masks in crowded indoor spaces as well as when meeting with people you do not know in line with Public Health England guidelines. Also, attendees under 11 are exempt from needing a mask or 
from providing a COVID status, but UKGE recommend that a lateral flow test be performed. 12 to 15 year old attendees who cannot provide evidence of vaccine status must take a home lateral flow test before attending and bring the confirmation of a negative result as an email or printed copy. This also goes for anyone over 16, but the older members, this can be in the form of the NHS COVID pass available on the NHS app available in your smartphones and tablets. But for more detailed information on all the latest details on attendance to this year's event, how to get the NHS app if you're visiting from outside the UK, or just for the other measures in place this year, then head on over to ukgamesexpo.co.uk. And heading on over to crowdfunding now, all three of these are available on Kickstarter at the moment. The first one is Death Roads All-Stars by the Knights of Unity. It's for two to four players, takes 45 to 90 minutes to complete, it's for ages 14 years and over, and it ends on Wednesday, July the 28th. Welcome to Death Roads All-Stars, the most dangerous and thrilling TV show in the divided states of America. Here, you can change your fate, but you have to put your car and your life on the line. Only one person can win a ticket to paradise, so be prepared. Better fasten your seatbelts and go to the extreme. Death Roads All-Stars is a fast-paced car fighting game set in a fictional dystopian future where nearly half the moon was destroyed. It's a card game for two to four players where you choose a car, a driver and weapons. That creates almost endless playing possibilities. The crazy race has its own rules but there is room for unpredictability in it. Random events may change the appearance of the road or affect it differently. Thus, Drivers must be vigilant at all times and actively adapt to the situation. There is no one sure way to win death roads. You can win by eliminating all the other players or by being the first position when the race is over. During the game, however, special conditions may appear, giving you new options to be victorious. Death Roads All-Stars has a low entry threshold. It has no complicated rules and is accessible, although it does not lack depth. Thanks to this, everyone is able to make more complex moves. There are no friends in Death Roads All-Stars, there are only opponents with whom you have to compete against. Now with two pledge levels, you can get the core box, all the Kickstarter bonus components and stretch goals for £36 or $49. And there's an all-in pledge, which includes everything above, plus two expansions. That comes in at £49 or $67. Uh, next up today is Magistrar Duel of the Mages by Spiel Das. It's for two players. It's a quick game at 15 minutes per play. It's for ages 8 years and over and it ends on Monday, August the 9th. Magistrar, the realm of mages, is in turmoil. Once a year, the most powerful mages of the country come together to compete in a spectacular contest, the Magicus Pugna. Here, everyone joins in who thinks highly of themselves and their magic skills. In a huge arena, you will fight as two of these mages against one another for fame and glory. Can you harness the magical energy of the arena for yourself and defeat your opponent with your spells? Players compete against each other in five duels. Points are awarded for each duel won, as well as for collecting as many tokens of a particular energy type as possible. Magistra is played out as an exciting majority battle using spell pawns 
with three different values. The number of spell pawns is limited, so the use of the pawns must be well thought out. Each game round is different, as the energy in the arena is randomly composed and always presents the players with new challenges. Magistrat, Duel of the Mages, can be played both tactically and casually, and is therefore also suitable for families. Three enclosed game variants, including the expansion dual cards, as well as an extensive game material ensure that the mage battle never gets boring. And at one pledge level, you can grab the game for £22 or €25. Euros. And lastly on Kickstarter this week is Exo Worlds by Ezra Hirschi. It's for two to four players, takes 30 minutes, it's for seven years and older, and ends on Monday, August the 16th. Many board games about space are very complicated, take a long time to learn, and even longer to master. Exo Worlds is a space-themed game that is easy to learn with simple rules and only takes 25 to 30 minutes to play. There aren't realms of text on every card, just codes that make learning and playing easy in any language. The game is for children or adults, as you can use additional rules to make the game more complex for adults. Your mission is to build a solar system in the unique combination of planets and moons that appear on your unique mission card. The winner is the person who is first to successfully build their solar system. Everyone's mission is kept secret, so you never know when someone's about to win. At every turn, you swap any card in your hand with a card in the visible zone. The choice is yours as to what card you throw away and whether you want to pick up a card to build your solar system or sabotage someone else's. Stars form the basis of any solar system and the star card is the first card you must play to get started. The colour of the star determines the colour of your solar system, so no one's colour is decided until they play a star card. Once you have a star card down, you can then start playing planets in the same colour as your star, ranging from dwarf planets to giant planets. The letters on the card denote the type of planet. The numbers are specific to that planet and will be important when building a moon to orbit it. As you build your solar system, you can stop others racing towards victory. Collect comet and asteroid cards along the way and use them as a destructive intergalactic missiles. You can play asteroids and comets on other players' solar systems to sabotage them. The affected player will have to continue rebuilding their solar systems according to their secret and unique mission card. And we've got three pledge levels here. You can buy a PDF print and play version for just £9. You can get a physical copy of the game for £15 or grab both the print and play and a copy of the games for £20. And we're heading on over to events and well, what can I say? Hopefully people got Jason's message regarding Crawley Gaming Club this past Monday. Unfortunately, the council couldn't make a decision and therefore didn't release the hall in time. So I'm not going to say this week's, well, the 26th of July's will be going ahead. So stay tuned to the socials for any last minute updates. Saying that, on Wednesday, board game nights are back and in full effect at the comic shop in Crawley. From 4pm till 10pm and at £5 a head, the comic shop has started a loyalty scheme, meaning every paid visit results in a stamp on a card and with every fourth stamp awarding you £5 of in-store credit to use on anything in-store or even for a free evening. I should be in attendance that evening if my knee holds out, so look forward to seeing people properly there. Oh, and if Jason lets me out. Thursdays has Dave running Lewis Board Games Club over at the Trinity Gaming Cafe in Lewis from 7.30 to 11.30, so head on over to socials to book yourself a place there. Hey Brian, that was quick. 
What do you mean you had to improvise with a few ingredients? So you swap the mezcal, the gin, the lemon, the honey and the chilli oil with coke. So it's just coke. Okay, okay, I can't be asked to argue. And why are you wearing a red dress with balloons stuffed down the front? Oh, you couldn't find Jessica either. Oh well, start fanning. Say goodbye to everyone. And it's a goodbye from me this week. Look after yourselves, meeples. Stay safe. Stay cool, keep those dice rolling, card shuffling, and we'll be here for you next week. And it's back to Jason and James in the studio. Thanks very much for that, Paul. And uh, thank you guys for joining us here for our talk about Meeple Land. How did you feel it went this time, James? Yeah, I've enjoyed being back here again, Jace. It's uh, always a pleasure to be on. Um, yeah, I'm starting to get used to this. You, you won't be able to get rid of me before long. <laughs> well, I haven't got rid of you at all, mate. You're chained <laughs> to the seat. <laughs> yeah, send help. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been really good. Like with um, with lockdown restrictions easing more and more as da- as days go on, we are playing more and more games, and I've been really really happy with that you know i i'm now done with my insane work schedule so games have resumed and i'm much happier for it yeah um, definitely looking forward to the club reopening uh getting back to a sense of normality indeed indeed and uh we are going to be signing off now because we've got some more games to play haven't we james indeed we have i'm gonna let him choose a game but uh basically yeah for now guys thank you very much for joining us I have been Jason. And I've been James. And you've been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. Join us next week, next Tuesday, for a new episode. Till then, game safe. Ta-ta. Goodbye.